welcome to the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Weight. We have a bonus episode for you today. Paul recently spoke at the Reading Expo, Reading Business Expo, um, and he gave a talk on uh, disruption. It was called Disrupt or Be Disrupted. And I have a fine gentleman with me here, uh, Ben El- Eltham. You got it spot on. Oh, that was there really we go. good. Yeah, yes. it was a great talk. I was there. We, we filmed it. It is available on YouTube for you to watch on the Aspen Weight YouTube channel if you'd prefer to uh, see it in all its glory. I wanted to do a little summary of, of what was on it, but mm. I'm trying to. It was. So there were so many captivating points. Mm. I just wanted to name but a few, mm. but I'm I'm tr- I'm struggling to capture it in a few words. Yeah, I I, I think you could really um, see Paul's passion in the subject, and um, he he gives some really interesting points. Maybe it's uh, good to have a listen. You'll see. Yeah, there's there's some really good examples actually of um, ways in which businesses have disrupted their markets. I think that's one of the uh, one of the really interesting things that I found um, looking at, oh yeah, you know what, actually that business, that, that yeah, they did do that and that was a real um, change. Uh, one of the, the things I, I, I loved and I took away from it was um, when Paul was talking uh, about the invention of the, the motor car. Oh yes. And it was saying that people just wanted faster horses. That's what mm. they wanted because mm. they didn't think about the motor car because why would they it wasn't there mm, um, mm. and it took actual um, a great many years after the invention of the motor car for the actual market to be disrupted because um, it wasn't until they were able to be mass produced on a on a production line that it, they actually came into everyday use so I, yeah I felt like then we we just did a it was like a, a GCSE bite size you'd find <laughs> on the BBC <laughs> yeah. website of, uh, of of this is the uh, invention of, of the motor vehicle mm-hmm. um, maybe that's something we could do in the future <laughs> uh, but yeah I think uh, I think have a listen um, a brilliant talk at the Thames Valley Business Expo and this is it enjoy okay everyone I think we'll make a start um, so today, so first I suppose, uh, my name is Paul Waite. I'm the Chief Executive of Aspen Waite Group. Um, been in business for 26 years. Um, and as I often say, probably made every mistake a businessman could make. Um, but hopefully learned from those uh, and now able to pass on little nuggets of gold to you people today uh, to make life better for you in the future and, and help you know, ho- hopefully uh, give you a... Uh, a bit of a boost to uh, to your careers and your businesses. So uh, disruption is, the concept of market disruption is arguably the most important, if not one of the most important um, constituents of, of business. Um, so I could have called today's talk, actually, is someone eating your lunch? Uh, or perhaps what might be more relevant isn't, is someone eating your lunch now? is will someone be eating your lunch? Um, because that's what the concept of disruption is about. Now, I've been, as I said to you, I've been in business for 26 years. Uh, and although I'm a chartered accountant by uh, profession, marketing is probably the thing that I am most passionate about. And actually, it used to quite bother me that disruption isn't something that has been a term that I was familiar with all of my business life. And I was actually... In doing some um, preparation for today's meeting, I was very relieved to, in fact, find out that the whole concept of market disruption wasn't, in fact, invented until 1995, which, of course, was two years after I started. So that 
that is my get out of jail card, free card, um, because I couldn't have known about it because it didn't exist. So um, we'll look here. Um, it says it's 1997, but actually, technically, it's 1995. So disruption was, was invented in 1995 by an American called Christensen. Uh, and actually, um, if we want to be pedantic about this, um, disruption was originally formed as a concept of innovative disruption. Um, other types of disruption have come off the back of that. Um, but today, we're going to talk really about um, how, how you can... Um, influence your own market, um, that either as a business owner or as an employee or a future business owner, in a way to, to give yourself the best possible chance. Uh, and we'll come on to some of the benefits of, of so doing. Um, so to some extent, um, so the, the, the concept of disruption really involves um, an existing market uh, where you have the status quo uh, and it would be normal. And we'll come on to say, for instance, the accountancy market at the moment in a minute, which is uh, a very good example of that, where you have the big four dominating something like 80% of UK revenue. Um, but how, how a firm like mine can actually come in and you'll see um, enjoy quite remarkable growth over a sustained period um, while that that upper level dominance is still going on, okay? So disruption in itself really involves, if you, if you think about so whatever your market is, whatever you're involved in, it doesn't matter whether, so for instance, um, uh, yesterday on the news, uh, there was a story broke about Pizza Express. Did you all get, get that one? Uh, Pizza Express are in big trouble, 470 stores. Um, okay, you all right? No? Can't hear. Nothing? That's not a microphone. It's a... It's a... Yeah, okay. Um, Pizza Express have 470 stores with £1.2 billion of debt. And... Um, no? So I'll, I'll try and talk a bit louder. Is that better? Now, if we look at um, 1965, when Pizza Express actually first came into the UK, uh, they were an incredibly disruptive business. So at that time in Britain, food generally was pretty rubbish. So the, the standard restaurants and the choice that we had is nothing like we have today. We're actually, although people still make jokes about it, British food is actually right up there as, as some of the best in the world. Um, at that time, Pizza Express came into the UK market um, and, 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 and bring something very fresh and new to the market. And that included, for instance, the first company to bring in uh, proper Italian wood ovens, for instance, uh, which had never been done before. And, and if we roll forward over their 54 years of existence, 54 years, that's better, 54 years of existence, um, Effectively, the reason they're in the, the problem they have today is they've, they've entered the market as the prime disruptor, arguably, at the time. They've obviously built a very successful national brand, and they've failed to build on that. So effectively, they, if you like, they've become complacent. Um, they've, they've, and they've also, I guess, through, through daring to succeed, you might say, um, ended up in a situation where they've had 
uh, a whole load of debt. Um, and the last two years have not been kind to Pizza Express. They've had contracting sales and they've, they've ended up in a situation where they may, may well fail. Um, and they fail because even, even if you actually achieve success, you mustn't rest on your laurels. You've got to keep moving forward. So if we look at the, uh, this, is, I think you'll see why this subject is, is so very important. So the benefits of disruption are uh, market differentiation. Now, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a photographer, you're selling pizzas, you're an accountant, or you're manufacturing steel. Uh, if, you can, if you can make your company look or have it perceived in the marketplace as being different to other people you're competing with, that has to be a great thing, okay? You don't want to have homogenous businesses where all businesses appear to be exactly the same as all the others. That is not, that's not what you want. So one of the things I did, even in the very first few days of my business, when I was basically a business baby, to be honest with you, you know, so everything I did was trial and error, uh, never, never done it all before. So it's like experimentation and seeing uh, what happens. But I did have enough about me to, to realize that the more different I could appear to be, that had to be a good thing, okay? So I didn't want to be like any other accountant. I had funky purple adverts and things like that. And then I started writing funky funky slogans. And, and within two years, other people were borrowing my colors and borrowing my slogans. So I thought I must be doing something right. So, um, so if you have a traditional market, somebody comes into that market, and that can really be in one or two ways normally. People either normally come into a market on the basis of lower price, or they come into the into a market and they create a new market, okay? And that can often be um, creating a market in an existing sector where, for instance, a whole section of the population is effectively disenfranchised, if that makes sense. So those people are not catered for. If we, if we take photography, for instance, as a good example, um, in the early days of, um, of, of technology, um, High-level high printing and photography was really in the domain of the very large companies. So it was only really when people came in and disrupted the market and were able to offer much cheaper solutions that people like colleges and schools and the mainstream public were able to also embrace that same technology. So what often happens, actually, is people come into a market um, from a position of quite low pricing, and then over a period of time, the market accepts them, and those people can quite often um, attract the larger customers. And actually, we'll briefly talk about how I've how I've managed to do that myself. Actually, not necessarily through um, consciously trying to do so, to be honest. Um, so you can see, obviously, developing new products has to be a good thing. Um, if you have all those things, then clearly you're going to be able to create business growth for yourself. You're creating markets. It's, it's possible with disruption for a complete startup business. Uh, and you obviously work with a lot of startups, Oksana. So, um, you know, the whole point, particularly in the medical field, for instance, is, is uh, people with great new ideas can literally take on a whole new market to themselves, un unchallenged, can't they? So, you know, it is, it, it is an incredibly important concept. And then, of course, you know, depending on what motivates you as a business person, I'm personally motivated more by values than I am by money. Um, to do things like create jobs and and generate wealth. You're not just generating wealth for yourself as well. You can also generate wealth for the community. Uh, and I think it helps generally to make better decisions. That's uh, one of the things I most enjoy about um, 
being considered to be moderately successful, I guess. So I thought, uh, hopefully, most of you have heard of Leonardo da Vinci. Um, Leonardo da Vinci, although he obviously didn't realize it at the time because it took another 590 years or whatever for the, the term disruption to be properly invented. But Leonardo da Vinci was da Vinci was arguably the founder of was arguably the founder of um, of disruption. So you, you, you had a man who um, be, this is at a time when obviously we had no cars or we didn't have engines or anything like that that was drawing drawing helicopters and submarines and, and things like that, which is which is really quite a remarkable thing. And I think the main reason I wanted to put Leonardo up for you all today is um, I happen to have the mindset that I, I believe that everything is possible. I, I don't believe that no, no is a word. Uh, so if a man, if this man in Italy in 1400 could draw a helicopter, then you can damn well succeed in your disruption, can't you? You know, if you can't, if you can't just disrupt or come up with innovative ideas with all that technology behind you in today's world, then, you know, Leonardo, you know, deserves even more accolades than he's got. So, you know, he's, he's truly a man to revere and um, he may have been an alien, but who knows? Um, so um, I think probably the greatest story to, to get you to understand really about disruption, what it's all about, would be the evolution of the motor car. So um, Henry Ford said, so this is his, his, his take really on disruption. So he said, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, okay? So to make the point technically about disruption, uh, the first motor cars were invented at the end of the 19th century. So there were, there were motor cars in existence well before uh, the existence of the Model T Ford, okay? If one wanted to be technically precise about this, we were having a university debate now, the cars at that time did not disrupt the market. The market was still dominated by the horse and carriage. Hence, Henry Ford's comment that what people really wanted was faster horses, okay? Why was that? It was because single cars in isolation, so if there were 20 million people, for instance, living in the UK at that time, there were probably only 100 cars. 100 cars was not enough to disrupt the market. It needed something special to change that and create the disruption. So what happened? We had the, so we had the market dominated by horse, horse and cart. The cars were no threat to the market, so there was no effective disruption. In order for disruption to take place, Henry Ford had to invent the first automated production line. Okay? So he was able to produce hundreds of cars in one, in one go. They all looked exactly the same. And I think he made a comment about color. You know, he basically said, yeah, we have, a, we have a full choice of color as long as you like black. I think he said, or something like that. So it was basically have a black Model T Ford or, or have nothing, okay? With the advent of the Model T Ford and the automated production line, the market was disrupted forever. The horse-drawn carriage, the, the days of that, that that mode of transport dominating the market was gone forever. And, and obviously we then had um, we then had the age of cars, which has which has obviously continued to this day. If we then look at a, another Pizza Express type story, we have um, we have uh, Kodak, and Kodak were in fact the world leaders in photography. And what's crazy about about the Kodak story 
is it was one of their engineers who first invented the first digital uh, camera. So uh, Kodak's team invented the first digital camera. The, the department that was responsible for that innovation took the digital camera to the board of Kodak and they basically said no. They were complacent. They didn't believe that the market was ready for a digital uh, camera. So they, 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 they mothballed the, the, the digital camera project, okay? So uh, despite then being given a second bite of the cherry three or four years later, where again, the project was represented to the board, the board for a second time turned down uh, the project and uh, Kodak basically uh, were displaced in the market by people who actually did, who were prepared to embrace new technology. So hence my uh, little joke at the start about is someone eating your lunch? Um, because obviously even no matter how dominant you are in the market, if you just sit there and you don't, you don't do anything about uh, improving your product and making sure that you continually evolve and keep um, adapting, then there is the opportunity that you will become another Kodak or a Pizza Express. We don't want that, do we? So um, hopefully this won't be too boring. Obviously, because I understand the accountancy market, I thought, um, and, and, and obviously we can have a, little, a few jokes about boring accountants at the same time. So um, the accountancy market is actually a very good example of, um, of a, a market dominated by a few firms. So um, in, in the UK, um, you can see that the accountancy market is worth 17 billion pounds. And the top four firms are responsible for over 13 billion pounds of that market, which is a pretty enormous market share, I think you'll agree. Um, and it's, in, it's interesting because with, with um, disruption and innovation generally, um, it would be true to say as a generalization that the uh, largest companies have less incentive to innovate than smaller companies. Uh, because obviously they, they, they don't necessarily get particularly motivated to disrupt their own market, do they? They're already, they're already dominating the market. They've already got 13 seventeenths. So they're not necessarily particularly motivated, nor are they agile um, and, and flexible enough to reinvent themselves to say, hey, you know, we need to go and do something about this. Um, to be fair though, um, all the top four firms have spent quite a lot of money on technology um, in, in all sorts of different ways. So at least they recognize, and in fact, Oxana was telling me, Oxana was here, um, who works with Innovate UK, for instance, Oxana was telling me that she went to an event recently that KPMG were at, that mostly had startup companies present, and KPMG are at least making the pretense of waking up to the fact that there is a world out there rather than very large companies that pay them very large fees. Um, I, just, I suspect there will be a sting in the tail for that later on in the company's development, but nonetheless, um, there is at least a recognition of that. So um, my credentials for talking about this today, um, you can see that uh, uh, for roughly 20 years, um, so Aspen Weight in the, in the first 15 years enjoyed 20% compound growth. Uh, that's, what, that's what my calculator tells me anyway. Um, and then um, uh, Ross, who's sitting over there, uh, he calls it the park bench moment. So um, there was a moment in the last recession where I was sitting in a park bench in Argyle Street, Argyle Gardens in London, 
I was sitting next to a friend of mine, and I basically said, I've lost my mojo, Abdul. Uh, I used to think I was the best budgeter in the world, and now I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, is what I said. And that's why Ross has called it the park bench moment. Um, I don't know, for those of you that are in business, uh, I've always found the fear of failure to be an amazing, powerful thing. So I probably spent most of my life being afraid to fail, um, which has spurred me on in the difficult days. Uh, and my park bench moment where I, how I reacted to the conversation with Abdul was I sat there and I thought I can either carry on contracting or I can do something about it. So I decided doing something about it seemed like a much better idea. So effectively, um, uh, what, what, what we did is we, we decided, well, I decided to, to, to lose the safety net of just being called a chartered accountant. And we, we branded Aspen Weight as a professional services company, which was quite a brave thing to do, to take chartered accountants off diaries and things and put, and now for instance, we put trusted advisors down as our only badge um, and other great slogans. But if you look at uh, accountants generally, you know, um, this is this is the existing market, grey and dull, not people confident, bean counters, resistant to change, probably not um, people that are considered to have a wide range of skills. Um, very compliance-based, that means, you know, uh, totally fixated on January being the most exciting time of the year because they get to file thousands of tax returns, yippee skip. And, um, and so um, it's, it seems to me that uh, uh, having... Unfortunately, having to call myself a chartered accountant all of my working life and, and not particularly feeling proud about it a lot of the time, to be honest, um, but sort of um, inventing a, a breed of accountants that actually were socially confident and had a wide range of skills and were very people orientated um, and actually had a lot of real experience that one could draw on, as, I, as, as I'm demonstrating with you today, had to be, had to be the way forward. So the enlightened accountant, accountant, which is what we hope we are, is a highly personal approach. We provide information ahead of the time, not just looking backwards all the time. We strive to add value. We embrace technology. So you take today, for instance, we have um, Ben from um, a company called Back of the Net that um, is a football channel, uh, which, um, which looks after non-league football. So it's the only channel on, on, the, on the net that... Um, that basically devotes itself to non-league football. Um, so Ben started working with Aspen Weight um, and adding, adding his own uh, technological skills to our offering so that we can, we can basically increase our online presence and our, our digital marketing. So um, it, I, think it's, you know, I think the important thing is never to sit on your laurels, no matter how moderately successful you might be. It's always looking to see how you can further improve and adapt and become just that little bit better. So again, said you know, strong people skills, commercially minded, and uh, of course entrepreneurial. So um, it's interesting. So talking about my own firm, how are we disrupting? Um, actually, when I first did this slide, I came to the conclusion that I didn't actually think we were technically disrupting. So if you buy a book on, hopefully some of you might feel a little bit inspired by today and do a bit of reading. Um, there's plenty of, plenty of it available on the net about what disruption's all about. Um, and, and, and my first reaction was actually in, in the context of what we had done, it wasn't actually really disruption. It was, 
I, I, I came to the conclusion it was more to do with freshening up the market or something rather than disruption. But actually, I changed my mind last night when I was doing my final preparation for today's talk. And, and I was thinking about uh, the fact that, um, as I said earlier, that often disruption starts with low-level pricing entrants. Um, and although we're not a low-level pricing entrant, what we have done is effectively to introduce a comprehensive range of services to the entire market that would normally only be offered by the top 10 firms. But we've made them available to everybody. Now, what's been very interesting, because uh, one of the things I often, I'm also often heard to say is I haven't had two lives. And what I mean by that is none of you, like me, people look to me sometimes as the wise man of my firm, and they think that I know the answer to everything. But I can't know the answer to everything because I, I haven't been the chief executive of Aspen Wait in 1733 or something. So everything is happening to me live, you know? And so um, uh, I was, I, I, was I, I, I realized that actually uh, by uh, effect, what I, what I thought would happen, sorry, what I thought would happen is by effectively, um, if you like, you could call it even business socialism, making everything available to everybody, no matter how small your business is. But what that model may lead you towards is, is a, 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 a customer list that was actually quite small. It's, I think that's a reasonable supposition, isn't it? You know, you wouldn't necessarily think that very large companies would be, would be particularly interested in a firm that was actually saying, do you know what? Uh, yeah, you can buy these services from Pricewaterhouse, but you can also buy them from us. And it doesn't matter whether you've got a pound or a billion pounds, but actually, uh, what's actually happened, um, so real story, two weeks ago, I was sat in front of the chief executive of a huge steel company with a 500 million turnover, uh, 500 million turnover business that actually said they had chosen us because we were the best. So that was obviously a very proud day for me. And, and, it, and, it, and, and, and I realized in, in thinking this through last night that in fact, probably we had achieved pure technical disruption because in effect we had entered the market in a level that was non-threatening to the top firms insofar as we're basically saying we're the small businessman's friend we can give you those services that have been denied to you by the big boys yeah uh, but actually that that message has been so well received that even the very large companies have said hey we find that attractive so i think i think actually that we have actually probably successfully met the standard the criteria of disruption. So I think um, one of the things, again, that I would, I would really urge you all to think about, because it doesn't matter what your business is, um, I, I, would, I would doubt there's anybody in this room that doesn't have to deal with people. Would that be true to say? Is there anybody here that manages not to talk to anybody else? Um, this might seem a really, really silly and obvious thing to say, but it's only really in the last few months that I've really totally got that people buy people. And that might seem really obvious to you, but actually, when you really get that, um, it does change your life. It certainly has mine. You know, I remember um, I talked at the last expo at Swindon, uh, and Ross, who's our marketing executive, sitting over there. I walked into Ross at 10 o'clock, and I said to Ross, I'm not the same Paul you saw three days ago. A true story. Uh, because I had had a, a, a meeting in the meantime, which had substantially changed my mindset in an incredibly positive way um, 
and made me realise even more than I did the importance of people. So um, I would I would urge all of you to really think about that, um, how how you can really maximise your customer experience. Um, and, 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 and I think, you know, also I had a meeting with a client today and this is a guy that came to see me a, a while ago and drove 150 miles to do so, um, was totally lost, uh, in a lot of mess, never had any advice. And I promised him I would sort him out, which I have. And I sat down with him today and I said, right. Uh, and he told me, you know, that he hadn't been able to work at his best because uh, he was too worried. And I said, look, Davide, all of your issues are legacy problems. Do you want to say what I mean by that? They're all in the past. All the problems you've created, you've created in the past. They're legacy issues. We have dealt with all the things that lead, led to that. The only thing you need to worry about now, other than your undoubted talent, is that you do not repeat those legacy problems, okay? If you, if you do not repeat those bad mistakes, you are going to be a great success. And to show you how much I believe in you, I will mentor you for the next year for free, all right? And he said, well, you already know that I'm your man for life. I said, no, you can't be my man for life because that's a ridiculous thing to say. I said, what, what, um, you know, so what I'm prepared to do, and again, you might want to think about this, if you have a customer and you say to your customer, I believe in you so much, and I do believe you have a heart like mine, I'm going to give you quite a lot of me because I know you're going to give me a lot back. Uh, it's not a contract written in, in stone, or it's not a 20, it's, it's something you can only do by looking someone else in the eye and saying, is this a person I believe in and I can back? So I would encourage each of you also to have that that level of independence and free thought and whatever you want to call it entrepreneurial spirit um because believe me if you if you back yourself and you actually have confidence in your own decisions uh in my experience people that are good at their job are almost always right or, or a version of right anyway whatever right means um so with with our the taking the people thing through to its um nth degree um the thing that we're we, we basically have got now as a firm is we we basically uh, market the message that if if you have us as your advisors, there's no reason for any business owner ever to feel alone or be on their own again, which is quite a powerful thing. As a business owner myself, um, I said it this morning in a meeting. I probably said it to you, Oksana. You know, I I um I would say more often than I would like, even now with a network of several hundred people. In, in, in my world, uh, the number of times in a week where I feel I'm on my own, I'm either on my own or it's down to me. If I don't, if I don't perform in a meeting or get us out of a bit of rubbish, you know, nobody else is going to. So I think having having at least one person on your side where you don't feel like that is a, is an immense gift to give people. And again, it doesn't matter whether you're a mechanic or a hairdresser or an accountant. That is something that we're all able to do, in my opinion. Um, so getting not towards the end, examples of um, businesses that have disrupted their own market. Obviously, um, Aldi, probably, whoops, that was um, Aldi, um, for instance, uh, they, one of the things that would come to mind with Aldi would be, if you think about what supermarkets used to look like, used to have huge amount of expenditure on um, packaging and making sure that each aisle looked beautiful and had lots of unnecessary 
um, signage and all that sort of stuff. Aldi came in and said, rubbish all that, didn't they? They just basically said, what the consumer wants is a good value product. They want good quality food and produce. And it's going to be given in a very open warehouse almost sort of style, didn't they? That meant they didn't have to pass on all those unnecessary overheads to their customers. And um, they are now, well, they've been the fastest growing um, business in their sector for several years. And, and I think, you know, proving the point that low level entrance, it doesn't mean to say that you're, you're actually the worst or anything. Um, I think I'm right in saying Aldi's have also won um, Supermarket of the Year um, for two years in a row. So um, good value doesn't mean necessarily poor quality. Uh, so I think, and then we've got, you know, obviously Tesla with things like um, electric cars, which are going to be uh, probably one of the greatest disruptive things we'll see in our lifetimes. Uh, I would be pretty sure that in 20 years' time, there won't be, there wouldn't be allowed to be a diesel car on the road, let alone uh, any, any produced. Um, You've got people at Amazon. Amazon have completely transformed the way business is done, certainly a number of sectors. Um, we were talking earlier about the power of social media. Social media, again, has changed people's lives. I have uh, a number of very dear friends and very close business contacts that I would never even know if it hadn't been for LinkedIn or Facebook. So it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's completely changing the world. And it's very important that we all accept these things and and i think you know i'd say embrace change don't don't fight it here we've got some examples of um of industries where um obviously cds and dvds i mean i remember as a child for instance i i collected a huge number of records uh and the same thing with books i i'm a very visual person so i i would be more inclined to buy a record that had a beautiful cover you know, something beautiful. I've even been known to buy books simply because of their cover with no regard to the content. Um, so, you know, my life, you know, when I was a teenager was buying lots of vinyl. And then of course, for the last 30 years, we've lived in a world of CDs, haven't we? CDs and DVDs. Um, and of course, what's now started to happen again um, is, is, is vinyl has started to come back for, for, for different reasons other than, than um, disruption necessary. I mean, you could argue, actually, that, that the, the old technology that was in itself now disrupting the new, but I'm not sure I'm clever enough to, to have a discussion about that at this stage. Um, so one thing I'd say, if anybody would like a copy of today's notes, then just let us know and we'll, we'll email them to you. Um, so uh, before any questions, um, one of the things um, which um, I trialled at Swindon, uh, which was heartfelt and was very successful, um, when I spoke at the last expo, I basically said anybody that turned up in the room uh, to listen to my talk, um, to to thank them for doing so, uh, uh, I would gladly give that person an hour of my time uh, for free um, outside of the meeting or whatever project they would like help with. Um, and uh, a number of people did so. And in fact, uh, one of the people is a chief executive of, of a travel company in Bristol. Um, who I see probably every three weeks. Um, and I've, I've made quite a substantial input into her strategy. And probably, if nothing else, um, I'd say the biggest gift I have given this lady would be the, the realisation of how great she was already. She was greater than she realised. She just needed someone to come along and say, you're already great. 
but she didn't she didn't know she was if that, if that, if that makes sense you know so um anybody anyone of you that would like um a bit of a bit of help doesn't matter what it's about it could be um any any subject you would like uh, we'll gladly we'll gladly give you an hour of a time and if and if it's um and if your people we might believe in um as i as i said to sarah um i think it was the first day i met her uh, I asked her a load of questions when I got home about six o'clock. By nine o'clock, she replied with uh, an amazing reply, which I was thrilled by. Uh, and at 10 o'clock, I sent her an email and I said, the hour has gone. Uh, the hour offer has gone. It's gone to unlimited. Because 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 uh, she was somebody I wanted to help. So, um, you know, all things are possible. Um, so, you know, if you'd like to continue a relationship with us or start a relationship with us, that would be... That would be great. So that's enough for me today. Um, if anybody has any questions, uh, then we'll have a session now. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to our bonus podcast of Paul at the Thames Valley Business Expo. We really hope you enjoyed it and um, look out for more bonus podcasts to come. Um, if you have any questions, Paul, um, you want to get in contact with Paul directly or uh, any um, information about the podcast, it's podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk.